Fact five. I am sorry, sir, that I have hindered you, but I protest he had the chain of me, though most dishonestly he doth deny it. Well, how is the man esteemed here in the city? A very reverent reputation, sir, of credit infinite, highly beloved, second to none that live here in the city. His word might bear my wealth at any time. Speak softly. Yonder as I think he walks. Tis so. And that self-chain about his neck which he forswore most monstrously to have. Good sir, draw near to me, I'll speak to him. Signor Antipholus, I wonder much that you would put me to this shame and trouble, and not without some scandal to yourself with circumstance and oaths to deny this chain which now you wear so openly. Beside the charge, the shame, imprisonment, you have done wrong to this, my honest friend, whom, but for staying on our controversy, had hoisted sail and put to sea today. This chain you had of me, can you deny it? I think I had. I never did deny it. Yes, that you did, sir, and forswore it, too. Who heard me to deny it or forswear it? These ears of mine thou knowest did hear thee. Fie on thee, wretch. Tis pity thou livest to walk where any honest man resort. Thou art a villain to impeach me thus. I'll prove mine honor and mine honesty against thee presently. If thou darest stand. I dare, and I do defy thee for a villain. Hold! Hurt him not, for God's sake, he is mad! Some get within him and take his gun away. Bind Dromeo too and bear them to my house. Run, master, run. For God's sake, take a house. This is some priory. In or we are spoiled. Be quiet, people. Wherefore throng you hither? To fetch my poor, distracted husband hence. Let us come in that we may bond him fast and bear him home for his recovery. I knew he was not in his perfect wits. I am sorry now that I did draw on him. How long hath this possession held the man? This week he hath been heavy, sour, sad, and much different from the man he was. But till this afternoon his passion ne'er break into extremity of rage. Hath he not lost much wealth by wreck of sea, buried some dear friend? Hath not else his eye strayed his affection in unlawful love, a sin prevailing much in youthful men, who give their eyes the liberty of gazing? Which of these sorrows is he subject to? To none of these, except it be the last, namely, some love that drew him off from home. You should for that have reprehended him. Why, so I did. Aye, but not rough enough. As roughly as my modesty would let me. Haply in private. And in assemblies, too. Aye, but not enough. It was the copy of our conference. In bed, he slept not for my urging it. At board, he fed not for my urging it. 
Alone, it was the subject of my theme. In company, I often glanced it. Still did I tell him it was vile and bad. And thereof came it that the man was mad. The venom clamors of a jealous woman poisons more deadly than a mad dog's tooth. It seems his sleeps were hindered by thy railing, and therefore comes it that his head is light. Thou sayest his meat was sauced with thy upbraidings. Unquiet meals make ill digestions. Thereof the raging fire of fever bred. And what's a fever? But a fit of madness. Thou sayest his sports were hindered by thy brawls. Sweet recreation barred what doth ensue but moody and dull melancholy, kinsman to grim and comfortless despair. And at her heels, a huge infectious troop of pale distemperatures and foes to life. In food, in sport, and in life-preserving rest to be disturbed would mad or man or beast. The consequence is, then, thy jealous fits have scared thy husband from the use of wits. She never reprehended him but mildly, when he demeaned himself rough, rude, and wildly. Why bear you these rebukes and answer not? <gasps> she did betray me to my own reproof! Good people, enter and lay hold on him! No. Not a creature enters in my house. Then let your servants bring my husband forth. Neither. He took this place for sanctuary, and it shall privilege him from your hands till I have brought him to his wits again, or lose my labor in assaying it. I will attend my husband, be his nurse, dot his sickness, for it is my office, and will have no attorney but myself, and therefore, let me have him home with me. Be patient, for I will not let him stir till I have used the approved means I have, with wholesome syrups, drugs, and holy prayers, to make of him a formal man again. It is a branch and parcel of mine oath, a charitable duty of my order. Therefore, depart... And leave him here with me. I will not handsomely my husband here. And ill it doth beseem your holiness to separate the husband and the wife. Be quiet and depart. Thou shalt not have him. Complain unto the duke of this indignity. Come, go. I will fall prostrate at his feet and never rise until my tears and prayers have won his grace to come in person hither and take perforce my husband from the abbess. By this, I think, uh, dial points at five. Anon, I'm sure, the duke himself in person comes this way to the melancholy vale, the place of death and sorry execution, behind the ditches of the abbey here. Upon what cause? To see a reverend Syracusian merchant who put unluckily into this bay, against the laws and statutes of this town, beheaded publicly for his offense. See where they come. We will behold his death. Kneel to the duke before he pass the abbey. Yet once again, proclaim it publicly. If any friend will pay the sum for him, he shall not die. So much we tender it. Justice, most sacred duke against the abbess. She is a virtuous and a reverend lady. It cannot be that she hath done thee wrong. May it please your grace. Antiphilus, my husband, whom I made lord of me and all I had at your important letters, this ill day a most outrageous fit of madness took him, that desperately he hurried through the street, with him his bondman, all as mad as he, 
doing displeasure to the citizens by rushing in their houses, bearing fence rings, jewels, anything his rage did like. Once did I get him bound and sent him home, whilst to take order for the wrongs I went that here and there his fury had committed. Anon, I wot not by what strong escape he broke from those that had the guard of him, and with his mad attendant and himself, each one with ireful passion, with drawn guns, met us again and madly bent on us, chased us away, till raising a moran we came again to bind them. Then they fled into this abbey, whither we pursued them, and here the abbess shuts the gates on us and will not suffer us to fish him out, nor send him forth that we may bear him hence. Therefore, most gracious Duke, with that command, let him be brought forth in port hands for help. Long since the husband served me in my wars, and I to thee engaged a prince's word, when thou didst make him master of thy bed, to do him all the grace and good I could. Go, some of you. Knock at the abbey gate and bid the lady abbess come to me. I will determine this before I stir. Oh, mistress, mistress, shift and save yourself. My master and his man are both broke loose, beaten the maids arow, and bound the doctor, whose beard they have singed off with brands of fire. And ever, as it blazed, they threw on him great pails of puddled mire to quench the hair. My master preaches patience to him, and the while his man with scissors nicks him like a fool. And sure, unless you send some present help, between them they will kill the conjurer. Peace, fool! Thy master and his man are here, and that is false thou dost report to us. Mistress, upon my life I tell you true. I have not breathed almost since I did see it. He cries for you, and vows, if he can take you, to scorch your face and to disfigure you. I hear him, mistress. Fly, be gone. Come, stand by me. Fear nothing. Guards with halberds. Ah, me. It is my husband. Witness you that he is born about invisible. Even now we housed him in the abbey here, and now he's there, past thought of human reason. Justice, most gracious duke. Oh, grant me justice. Even for the service that long since I did thee, when I bestrid thee in the wars and took deep scars to save thy life. Even for the blood that then I lost for thee, now grant me justice. Unless the fear of death doth make me dote, I see my son Antiphilus and Dromeo. Justice, sweet prince, against that woman there. She, whom thou gavest to me to be my wife, that hath abused and dishonored me even in the strength and height of injury. Beyond imagination is the wrong that she this day hath shameless thrown on me. Discover how, and thou shalt find me just. This day, great duke, she shut the doors upon me, while she, with harlots, feasted in my house. A grievous fault. Say, woman, didst thou so? No, my good lord. Myself, he, and my sister today did dine together. So before my soul is this as false he burdens me withal. Ne'er may I look on day, nor sleep on night. But she tells to your highness simple truth. Oh, perjured woman, they are both forsworn. In this the madman justly chargeth them. My liege, I am advised what I say. Neither disturbed with the effect of wine, nor heavy rash provoked with raging ire, albeit my wrongs might make one wiser mad. This woman locked me out this day from dinner, 
That goldsmith there, were he not packed with her, could witness it, for he was with me then, who parted with me to go fetch a chain, promising to bring it to the porpentine where Balthazar and I did dine together. Our dinner done, and he not seeking thither, I went to seek him. In the street I met him, and in his company, that gentleman. There did this perjured goldsmith swear me down that I this day of him received the chain, which God he knows I saw not, for the which he did arrest me with an officer. I did obey, and sent my peasant home for certain ducats. He with none returned. Then fairly I bespoke the officer to go in person with me to my house. By the way, we met my wife, her sister, and a rabble more of vile confederates. Along with them, they brought one pinch, a hungry, lean-faced villain, a mere anatomy, a mountebank, a threadbare juggler, and a fortune teller, a needy, hollow-eyed, sharp-looking wretch, a dead-looking man. This pernicious slave, forsooth, took on him as a conjurer, and gazing in mine eyes, feeling my pulse, and with no face, as twere, outfacing me, cries out, I was possessed. Then, altogether, he fell upon me, bound me, bore me thence, and in a dark and dankish vault at home, there left me and my man, both bound together, till gnawing with my teeth and my bonds and sunder, I gained my freedom, and immediately ran hither to your grace, whom I beseech to give me ample satisfaction for these deep shames and great indignities. My lord, in truth thus far I witness with him that he dined not at home, but was locked out. But had he such a chain of thee or no? He had, my lord, and when he ran in here, these people saw the chain about his neck. Besides, I will be sworn that these ears of mine heard you confess that you had the chain of him after you first forswore it on the mark, and thereupon I drew my gun on you, and then you fled into this abbey here, from whence I think you are come by miracle. I never came within these abbey walls, nor didst thou draw thy gun on me. I never saw the chain, so help me heaven, and this is false you burden me withal. Why, what an intricate impeach is this. I think you all have drunk of Circe's cup. If here you housed him, here he would have been. If he were mad, he would not plead so coldly. You say he dined at home. The goldsmith here denies that, saying, Sarah, what say you? Sir, he dined with us there at the Porpentine. He did, and from my finger snatched that ring. Tis true, my liege. This ring I had of her. Sawst thou him enter at the abbey here? As sure, my liege, as I do see your grace. Why, this is strange. Go call the abbess hither. I think you were all mated or stark mad. Most mighty duke, vouchsafe me speak a word. Haply I see a friend will save my life, and pay the sum that may deliver me. Speak freely, Syracusian, what thou wilt. Is not your name, sir, called Antipholus? And is not that your bondman, Dromeo? Within this hour I was his bondman, sir, but he, I thank him, gnawed in my two cords. Now I am Dromeo and his man unbound. I am sure you both remember me. Ourselves we do remember, sir, by you, for lately we were bound as you are now. You are not Pinch's patient, are you, sir? Why look you strange on me? You know me well. I never saw you in my life till now. Oh, grief hath changed me since you saw me last. 
and careful hours with time's deformed hand have written strange to features in my face. But tell me yet, dost thou not know my voice? Neither. Dromeo, nor thou? No, trust me, sir, nor I. I am sure thou dost. Ah, sir, but I am sure I do not. And whatsoever a man denies, you are now bound to believe him. Not know my voice? O oh, time's extremity, hast thou so cracked and splitted my poor tongue in seven short years that here my only son knows not my feeble key of untuned cares. Though now this grain face of mine be hid in sap-consuming winter's drizzled snow, and all the conduits of my blood froze up, yet hath my night of life some memory, my wasting lamp some fading glimmer left, my dull deaf ears a little used to hear. All these old witnesses, I cannot err. Tell me thou art my son, Antiphilus. I never saw my father in my life. But seven years since, in Syracuse, boy, thou knowst we parted. But perhaps, my son, thou shamest to acknowledge me in misery. The Duke and all that know me in the city can witness with me that it is not so. I ne'er saw Syracuse in my life. I, I, I tell thee, Syracusean, Twenty years have I been patron to Antiphilus, during which time he ne'er saw Syracusa. I see thy age and dangers make thee dope. Most mighty duke, behold, a man much wronged. I see two husbands, or mine eyes deceive me. One of these men is genius to the other, and so of these. Which is the natural man, and which the spirit? Who deciphers them? I sir him, Dromeo, command him away. I sir him, Dromeo, pray let me stay. Aegeon, art thou not? Or else is ghost? Oh, my old master, who hath bound him here? Whoever bound him, I will loose his bonds and gain a husband by his liberty. Speak, old Aegean. If thou beest the man that hadst a wife once called Amelia, that bore thee at a burden two fair sons, oh, if thou beest the same Aegean, speak, and speak unto the same Amelia. If I dream not, thou art Amelia. If thou art she, tell me, where is that son that floated with thee on the fatal raft? By Menemopodamnum, he and I and the twin Dromeo all were taken up. By and by, rude fishermen of Corinth, by force, took Dromeo and my son from them. And me, they left with those of Epidemnum. What then became of them? I cannot tell. I to this fortune that you see me in. Why, here begins his morning story right. These two Antipholuses, these two so like, and these two Dromeos, one in semblance, Besides her urging of her wreck at sea, these are the parents to these children, which accidentally met together. Antiphilus, thou camest from Corinth first? No, sir, not I. I came from Syracuse. Stay. Stand apart. I know not which is which. I came from Corinth, my most gracious lord. And I with him. Brought to this town by that most famous warrior, Duke Menaphon, your most renowned uncle. Which of you two did dine with me today? Uh, I, gentle mistress. And are not you my husband? No, I say nay to that. 
and so do I, yet did she call me so. And this fair gentlewoman, her sister here, did call me brother. What I told you then, I hope I shall have leisure to make good. If this be not a dream I see in here. That is the chain, sir, which you had of me. I think it be, sir, I deny it not. And you, sir, for this chain, arrested me. I think I did, sir, I deny it not. I sent you money, sir, to be your bail by Dromeo, but I think he brought it not. No, none by me. This purse of ducats I received from you and Dromeo, my man, did bring them me. I see, we still did meet each other's man, and I was taken for him and he for me, and thereupon these errors are arose. These ducats pawn I for my father here. It shall not need. Thy father hath his life. Sir, I must have that diamond from you. <laughs> there, take it. And much thanks for my good cheer. Renowned Duke, vouchsafe to take the pains to go with us into the abbey here, and here at large discoursed all our fortunes, and all that are assembled in this place that by this sympathized one day's error have suffered wrong, go keep us company, and we shall make full satisfaction. Thirty-three years have I but gone in travail of you, my sons, until this present hour, my heavy burden ne'er delivered. The Duke, my husband, and my children both, and and you, the calendars of their nativity, go to a gossip's feast, and go with me. After so long grief, such festivity. With all my heart, I'll gossip at this feast. Master, shall I fetch your stuff from shipboard? Romeo, what stuff of mine hast thou embarked? Your goods that lay at host, sir? In the centaur? He speaks to me. I am your master, Dromeo. Come, go with us. We'll look to that anon. Embrace thy brother there and rejoice with him. There is a fat friend at your master's house that kitchened me for you today at dinner. <laughs> now she shall be my sister, not my wife. Oh, Methinks you are my glass and not my brother. I see by you I am a sweet-faced youth. Will you walk in to see their gossiping? Oh, not I, sir. You are my elder. That's a question. How shall we try it? Yeah, we'll draw cuts for the senior. Till then, lead thou first. Nay, then. Thus. We came into the world like brother and brother. Now let's go hand in hand, not one before another. Pendant Shakespeare, also known as The Wild Bill Variety Show. Comedy of Errors, Act 5. Featuring the voice talents of Catherine Pride as Adriana, Dave Morgan as Antipholus of Ephesus, Hal Wideman as Duke Salinas, Melissa Bartell as Amelia, Aidan Rudd as Angelo, Chris Pyle as Aegean, Christopher Gilstrap as Dromeo of Ephesus, Pete Mylan as Antipholus of Syracuse, 
Kristen Bays as the second merchant, Mindy Rast-Keenan as Dromeo of Syracuse, Rochelle Hager as Luciana, Will Shipley as the servant, and Sarah McKenzie as the courtesan. Written by William Shakespeare, adapted for audio by Colin Kelly, directed by Landon Bell, assistant director, Swen Halverson. Music by Landon Bell of soundcloud.com slash Landon Bell, L-A-N-D-O-N-B-E-A-L-L. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2015, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. So, Joe? Announcer. Announcer. Tell me about your experiences. Well, it started out simple enough. They complimented me, if I recall. Then came the insults. Then the slam poetry. Then the mocking me. It's driving me mad, Doctor. The voices. Yes, the voices. The stupid sonnets. Voices. Is it for fear to wet a widow's eye that thou consumest thyself in single life? Ah, if thou issueless shall hap to die, the world will wail thee like a makeless wife. See? There. What? Where? The voices, accusing me of singledom. Is there anything wrong with singledom? Well, when you're a married man, there is. Good point. Oh, never say that I was false of heart, though absence seemed my flame to qualify. As easy might I from myself depart, as from my soul which in thy breast doth lie. Help me, Doctor, they won't shut up. You won't like this. But the prescription? Is more cowbell. Huh? Uh, what just happened? Uh, You were about to say when the next Sonnets episode releases. Uh, Right. The Sonnets Part 9 premieres on December 9th, 2015, only at PendantAudio.com. I think I need a drink.